0: we going to
1: I can't relax Can't sleep cause my bed's on fire Don't touch me, I'm a real live wire Psycho killer
2: Good morning. Uh, radio free Brooklyn, this or <laughs> good morning, Brooklyn. This is Crime good Talk morning. BK. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Whoa, buddy. This has been quite the morning. Um, my left driver did not show up in time. Um, well, actually, what happened was he showed up, accepted the ride without me in the car, and then just kind of drew fun patterns around Bushwick. <laughs> And I'm looking at my phone. I'm, like, calling and calling and texting and, like, nothing. Uh, but then the next Lyft driver was very sweet and accommodating, and I got here in time. Um just in time. And just shout-out to the show below before us, Race to the Bottom. Um,
3: right. Thank you, Kent Corrin, for stepping up.
2: Yeah, just you're please. the hero that we need
3: personal hero of the day
2: <laughs> him and our lift driver <laughs> anyway um how was your weekend or week brain um, still kind of scrambled I from the I,
3: yeah i don't want to talk about it oh i'm it was sorry it's you know it, it happens um i think i'm I, I think one of my problems is i'm taking uh the slide into tyranny a little too personally
2: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, um, next show, um, we'll have to get brunch after. Yes, please. Yes, that sounds like fun. Uh, let okay. me see. I had a pretty good week um, until I realized that um, my in-laws are coming to New York in one week. And I have to say is that they're like the best people ever. I love them. Uh, mm-hmm. but our apartment has like one wall that is like two thirds covered with sticky wallpaper. I moved all the furniture except for the bed that was in the bedroom to the living room um, because like we need like more bookcases and stuff in the living room. So our bedroom mm-hmm. just has like heaps of objects all over the floor. And the whole pur- yeah. one of the purposes of this visit is for them to come and see our new apartment now that it is quote done uh
3: okay well first of all you still haven't finished the wallpaper
2: no it's so hard
3: (laughs) we we gotta recruit some help well your in-laws probably uh, will help you
2: uh, no i can't do that to them megan you lied to me stick on wallpaper is the worst
3: (laughs) i didn't lie to you you just picked the most complicated pattern ever
2: i did pick a not great pattern but it's hard for us to get on without wrinkles
3: yeah, it has a two-person job.
2: But even with two, it's this is like a six-person, all of them paid professional job. Hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but I guess it made our relationship stronger. I don't even know. Um, as long as nobody looks at this one corner, everything will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> It'll
3: be fine, girl. So
2: we're, we're wallpapering and painting today.
3: It's called, it's called being arty. You know. It's an installation piece. <laughs> oh God, is it?
2: Yeah, I was like looking at our living room because we like changed it a lot since you've been there. Like we switched around like where the couch is and everything. And I think we're going for kind of like eccentric professor look. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, um... I'm going I'm going
3: for haunted library, so
2: I think you're doing a pretty good job with that. Your apartment's cool.
3: It's all right. Could use some more taxidermy, but yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, well, um, today we have a serial killer.
3: I know. He's
2: crazy. Like, I was Fascinating. only... Fascinating. I didn't even get to it. I just pulled his name up, and it was, like, reading a local newspaper article, and I'm just like, what the fuck?
3: I know. It's, it's
2: insane. And, and it's then, crazy
3: how he got caught, too.
2: Oh, yeah. It's the best part. Mm-hmm. There's going to be like a TV show about this. There, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure Oxygen is going to put one out. But yeah. but before we get to that, uh, to yawn <laughs> on air in everybody's ear. Yes. Okay. On air announcements. Radio Free Brooklyn's Drive to Five fundraising campaign is underway and this may whether you believe it or not radio free brooklyn turns five that's amazing we've been here for five years you know and i have to say like this has been kind of a bumpy road for a little nonprofit community radio station so we are very excited um that said uh this is run by donations and uh so we're setting the goal of $25,000 by our anniversary uh, so that we can continue to bring you commercial-free, independent radio for another five years. And uh, we've raised about 30%. So, you know, it's we're, we're going. Um, but, you know, like we just have a couple more months and we're really excited to hit this goal. Uh, so if you would like to make, to set up a small monthly donation to help us reach our goals, the easiest way to do this, this is really cool, it's r-text, r-f-b-gives, but that's spelled r-f-b-g-i-v-e-5, that's the number five for r-f-b-gives, but with a five, two, four, four, three, two, one, and you can make a pledge on your phone. I think this is brilliant, all that's right? Great. Again, that's rfbgive 5 RFB give 5 to forty four three two one, you can make a pledge right on your. You can phone. do it
3: right now while you're listening.
2: Yeah, right now. Right now. <laughs> Let's all pause for a moment while everyone texts. Tell, uh, yeah, tell them, tell them we sent you. Friend of the show, Roxy from Houston. RFB five, R- RFB right? give five, right here. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we also have some great gifts uh, for giving available on our website. Oh, this is actually kinda of cool. Including a limited edition five year t shirt designed um, by former clash manager Cosmo Vinyl. I don't know how uh Tom Tinney knows him, but yeah, that's neat. Um and if you'd like to get any of these great uh premium gifts, donate at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash drive to five. Now, we understand that you like Radio Free Brooklyn might be broke. Um, and if you are, we still have some stuff for you. We would love to hear from you. And we have a special voicemail set up where you can tell us why you love Radio, Radio Free Brooklyn. Give a shout out to your favorite host, Joanna Purpich and Megan Duffy. Or wish us a happy birthday. And your message might just be played on air. So we're really pushing for you to shout out Crime Talk BK when you do this.
3: Yes, please.
2: <laughs> and uh, that voicemail is 718 718- Six seven three eight two zero one. One more time: seven one eight six seven three eight two zero one. All right. Woo.
3: Okay. That was a mouthful.
2: I know. Well, they changed the script on me, so I feel like whenever I'm like doing something for the first time, I just hear like my producer in my head yelling, like, "Bring the energy." <laughs>
3: <coughs> yeah, girl. Stop yawning.
2: Shout out to Kale. Um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about uh, Khalil Wheeler uh, Weaver Wheeler Weaver? Khalil that's
3: Wheeler Weaver. Yeah. So uh, kind of a fun last name. It, it, it. He's going to go down to infamy. That's for sure. Um. So I'm going to go, I'm going to make this all about the ladies because it should be about the ladies, but that is how he ended up getting taken down. So I got most of this information from this excellent article uh, that I found on NorthJersey.com called How a Group of Women Stopped a New Jersey Serial Killer, written by Christopher Magg, Julia Martin, Tom Nobile, Keldy Ortiz, and Svetlana Shkolmikova. mikova um, and i'm just i'm gonna sort of lay it out in a timeline so um, let's start with uh Robin West she's this l- beautiful nineteen year old woman living in philly. She had a loving family, but she did have a challenging relationship because they were. Uh, sort of what was reported as churchy folk, and she was a bit of a wild child. Has been reported that she had some, uh, mental health challenges, but I don't think that's relevant, um, to our story. Um, so at the end of, uh, August in 2016, her and her friend, uh, Brenisha Patterson, uh, had decided to take a trip to New Jersey. They were friends who um, had paired together in sex work to keep each other safe, and they often placed ads on websites and such, as they do. So they go to New, they go to New Jersey, and they're staying at the Garden State Motor Lodge in Union Township, which is about 15 miles outside of Manhattan, for mm-hmm. geography's sake. So they're there a few nights, and uh, they run out of money. And they, so they had to leave the motor lodge and they headed over to Nye Avenue in Newark, which is, uh you know, the avenue where sex workers work on the street and where they pick up clients in cars.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Got it.
3: OK, so one of the, one of the first cars that stops was this silver sedan and uh the driver pointed at Robin and she got in the car. And Patterson took the license plate down, as she does. Mm-hmm. So this is their standard operating procedure, and saved it to her contacts. So uh from court transcripts and evidence presented at trial, it has said that data from the driver's phone captured the next event. So he drove Robin to an abandoned house two miles from his house
0: mm-hmm.
3: in New Jersey, in Orange, New Jersey, uh, he spent an hour inside and then he left at about one <clears> thirty in the morning. <throat> Twenty minutes later, a neighbor calls nine one one because the house is on fire.
2: Oh. Yeah.
3: He drives a few miles down the interstate at one thirty after he left, and then he backtracks, passing his own house again before returning to the fire.
2: Of course, so he he's does. Walked-
3: yeah, so he's watching the firefighters from five surrounding cities put this fire out. And as, of course, they were fighting the fire, they find a body inside the home. So he leaves again, asking his phone for directions home, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Breenisha Patterson uh, had reported... Robin West missing the next day. Yeah, so day. that's her
2: friend who went with her and wrote down the license plate, right?
3: Yep, yep. She gave the license plate number of the silver sedan to the cops. So two weeks later, investigators finally ID the body in the house as Robin West by dental records because her body was so badly damaged. Yeah. From the fire. Mm-hmm. And it was eight days after her 20th birthday.
2: Oh, poor thing. I just wanted to say, like, I I like what you're doing where you're, like, starting with these uh, women, but it just, uh, when you were just describing, you know, like, the way that this type of sex work works, where you're just kind of standing there and a guy in a car points to you and you get in his car, and even though her friend, like, wrote down the license number, uh, that must yeah. be really scary. Like those women are super brave. I think they are too. I really do. Um, they know
3: it's a, a very risky uh, line of work, and they're they're taking these, you know, whatever precautions they can take in order to um, work the trade that they. I don't think they've even chosen necessarily.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But also make sex work legal.
3: Seriously. I and mean, we would have to walk the strip. Um, okay. So let's talk about Joanne Brown. Mm-hmm. She's born in Augusta, Maine. She came from a big family. Um, her family moved to Newark when she was five. She, too, had some mental health issues. A little more severe than it sounds like um these were actually diagnosed bipolar schizophrenia when she was young she did graduate high school mm-hmm. um she uh ended up as a sex worker exotic dancer and a drug user but i feel like the drug use was probably more about self medicating than uh
2: just like, hey, this looks uh, fun.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, and she did try to get help for the drug problem that she had, but um, that, you know, as we all know, that's a, that's a hard struggle. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, in October of 2016. She's hanging out with friends at a Popeye's restaurant in Newark early one afternoon. When a man drives up, oh, I'm sorry. She she's also known as London to her to her friends. Uh, he chooses London, and she gets in the car.
0: Mhm.
3: Um. Now she had given she had a cell phone, but she gave her phone to another friend to make a call, who was off making the call at the time. So she gets in the the car. And she uses his phone to call her friend, Amina Nobles, letting her know where she's going and how long she's going to be. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another one of these, you know, these groups of women who are just making sure they're taking what precautions they can to keep their friends, you know, safe, I guess. Yeah. At least keep track of each other. So he drives her. Mm-hmm. To a different abandoned house in Orange, New Jersey. Um, The data on his phone shows he was in the house for 20 minutes before picking her up. So he's, you know, clearly planning this whole thing. He takes her inside, uh, wrapped her head in duct tape eyes to chin and strangled her with a jacket wow. and he left He left her on the stairs around 3pm and then he gets home and when he gets there he called the number that London called from his phone and her friend Amina answers asking for her but he didn't say anything and he hung up but she calls she calls back a few times, but no one answers. Mm-hmm. So she goes. So she goes to the police and reports London missing.
2: How far apart were these two crimes?
3: Okay, so uh, Robin was in August. She was found in mid-September. Mm-hmm. This is October.
2: Okay, so this is. So from like this is like pretty close together. Yeah, this is about six weeks. Mhm. Um, so, okay, so she
3: goes to the police, they're missing seven weeks later on December 5th, a pair of contractors, that are about to renovate the house, find her body. Right. Uh, and now we're going to talk about Sarah Butler,
0: Mm -hmm. who,
3: she's a dancer and a student, She was not a sex worker. Mm -hmm. She was in college. She was struggling to make friends. She created a a, a profile on a social media app called Tagged, which I'd never heard of, but there it is because I'm old.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking up Tag right now. Is this like a friend app? I think so. Yeah, it is. Oh, this is really sad. Yeah. Just to meet new people. Oh, that's sad.
3: So, there, on that app, some, you know, profile of a dude that he calls himself Lil, y- Lil Yacht Rock. Okay. I know. I know, girl.
2: Lil Yacht Rock?
3: Y- y- yeah. Y-A-C-H-T y- Rock. Like, he likes air supply, I guess. I don't know. Or, or Penny Loggins. Um, so he like right off the bat types messages saying you want to make money uh sex for money like oh. right off the bat Uh huh. like you know up your game a little bit please um so she texted him back a little stunned of course and she was asking you know how much money and he said 500 bucks which like a lot of money so she replies like LOL, and this is really sad. You're not a serial killer, right? Uh, yeah. No, so girl. He, yeah, I know. The sweet, fucking sweet baby. Okay, And of course he replies, no. So she agrees to meet him, but at the last minute she changed her mind because she got really kind of nervous mm-hmm. about the whole idea. So she stands him up. And then two days later, she changes her mind and texts him an apology, uh, saying she was really nervous, of course. And then he says, Of course, I'm a really cool guy when you get to know me. So on November 22nd, Sarah asks her mom to borrow the car. Mm-hmm. Um, she had just put in a new set of red hair extensions in her hair. It was pretty. She's so pretty. So she picks Lil Yacht Rock up at the address he provided, which was the last abandoned house he killed London in. Mm-hmm. And she was she so she, if you remember the timeline, London's still inside the house. Yeah. So they drive to a Seven Eleven where he buys some condoms. Security cameras have picked him up there, wearing black sweatshirt, black pants, black sneakers, and black gloves. And then they drive to these cliffs near a restaurant called High Lawn Pavilion. And it sort of like overlooks Manhattan. It's very scenic.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So they're kind of just sitting there. It's a pretty night. Nice. There's a valet shed. And then there's a green maintenance trailer at the edge of the parking lot where they're sitting. And that's where he, he drags her out of the car. And he wraps her head in tape, strangles her with sweatpants. And then leaves her behind the trailer, buried in leaves and twigs. So when she didn't arrive home, her mom and her friends start panicking.
2: Of course.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Three days after she had gone missing, her mom's car was located behind behind an old factory about four miles from her house. Um, the cops uh, let's see when I okay so they they located uh cape with the red hair extension yeah in the car along is it, wait in the car nope on the ground near the car mm-hmm. with a few other items from Butler's mom's car that were also identified, like personal effects. Yeah. So what her friends do is they go back to all her social media accounts and um, took everything they found to the Montclair Police Department. And while they were at the police department, one of her friends, Samantha River, I'm sorry, Rivera, created another profile for herself on Tagged in order to research everything. And while she's standing in the police department, she gets hit up by Lil Yacht Rock for sex,
2: for money. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't understand what's going through his head. I mean, beyond the fact that, you know, he's like a serial killer.
3: I don't understand. Yeah.
2: So I don't, yeah. So she,
3: she, uh, and the police decide to set up a meeting um, at this Panera in Montclair. Mm-hmm. So two detectives go to meet him instead of her, obviously. And they went, but there was no evidence to hold him, right? So they had to let him go. But at least now they know who this person is, because he was clearly the last person to see uh, uh, Butler alive, right? Yeah.
2: Mhm. So now he's now he's on the radar. What was he like with uh, the police? Did did they say any did they publish anything about the interview? Um I didn't see
3: anything about the interview, but I'm going to let's talk about him for a little bit cuz it's going to go into the next woman I want to talk about. Yeah. So he's at the time he's 20 years old, lives in Orange, New Jersey, he's kind of a nerd, no sports rarely partied didn't date anybody uh came from a law enforcement family he was working as a security guard exploring how to become a police officer he was some djing some djing some parties and bought himself a silver bmw sedan Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm uh just in you know it's always the quiet ones, right? It's yeah. A quiet, nerdy young guy.
2: Well, it's just like, know, um, I tend to become friends with security guards just because they're usually a very, like, consistent fixture in, like, where I work or, like, the radio station. And so it just kind of, like, hit me in this weird spot when you said mm-hmm. that because... It's kind of like a position where you're usually very, like, personable and you're talking to a lot of people all day. And, I mean, maybe I shouldn't feel this, but I do tend to kind of feel this sort of safety when I'm yeah, talking I, to these you folks. You get a
3: false sense of security. I get yeah. a false sense of security from the security guards, particularly at office buildings. Like, I don't really know that turnstile that I have to swipe my ID through isn't going to keep anybody out. You know, like, I don't know what kind of training you've gone through. I don't know. It feels sort of just sort of like a facade.
2: But it's also kind of like if the if like the security guy at my work, if we're like chatting, he's like, oh, hey, like after work, do you want to hang out? I would probably say yes. It's like I talk to him every day for like two years. You know, right. And so now I'm just like, geez, like it kind of. Sh- shakes me up a little bit that this guy is... Yeah.
3: No, I've seen too many true crime shows. I would not hang out with a security <laughs> guard that I didn't know. Well, nope. we already
2: talked about how I'm, like, the most, like, gullible, naive true crime <laughs> fan. <laughs> Which is a hardened salty bitch.
3: <laughs> okay.
2: So, it just he's just, like, a normal guy. He's
3: a normal, quiet dude. You know? Um, middle-class family. Nothing untoward about his background, right?
0: Mhm.
3: Um. Which, okay, so that brings me to my, <coughs> excuse me, my next woman, who is a total badass. By the way, her name is Tiffany Taylor. Mhm. And she grew up in Jersey City in public housing. Her and her mom did a stint in Orlando, and then moved back after. Uh, she got pregnant, so she left college and they moved back to New Jersey. She's 33 years old, living with her mama and her babe. And she knew Khalil. They had met through some mutual friends. Mm-hmm. She didn't take, she didn't really take a liking to him. Uh, apparently, he became a little bit obsessed with her about her dreadlocks and her tattoos, and her like. You know, she has. she clearly has some sort of social edge that he and she's also a stunning looking woman. So he gets you know, he's sort of following her around like a, a sex obsessed puppy.
0: Delightful. And
3: he kept bugging... Yeah, yeah, charming. Right? Oh please. Uh and he kept bugging people to came up with her and he kept saying to her that he would pay for her pay to have sex with her um so eventually she relented and this is okay so this is back in april of 2016 before his first murder victim right Mm -hmm. okay Um, got it yep so this is
2: before everything
3: before everything else Okay, And it you'll understand why I left her for last, because it, there's a jump in the timeline. So in April of 2016, she relented. At least that's what she said. So she arrives at the address he provided, which turns out was his house. Mm-hmm. He paid her 200 bucks up front. She went into the house with him. Which she had reported in this article that I cited earlier that it was decorated like a little boy's room.
2: Oh, that's weird.
3: A little weird for a 20-year-old. Um, that would have been a little creepy, I think. Um, so she says to him that she forgot the condoms in the car and she walks out, gets in the car and drives away with the 200 bucks. Go her. Well, it gets better. (laughs) Yeah. She's like, fuck you, you little shit. Um, jump forward to November. So now after he's killed the three women right? Yeah. So in November of 2016, she uh, had found a side hustle because she was having some trouble making money. So she was, she had a uh, job procuring drugs for a construction worker who was living in a motel in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So Mm -hmm. she would, drive his car and go around and pick up mess or crack or whatever it was he wanted and bring it back to the hotel for him and she'd receive money for her errands, right? Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, like, As it sounds bit. pretty, like, easy, just get in your car, shake some hands, get in your car, deliver it. I mean,
3: yeah. I, I ain't got a problem with it. Everybody's got to hustle somewhat, right? So, um, she started getting money for sex texts from some person that she didn't know like many, many, many texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came to a point where she changed her number and it wasn't clear. if She changed her number because she was getting these texts or some other reason. So, um, so she she's
2: just this person. It's just random person is texting her like explicit messages. Yeah. Okay. She doesn't know who it is. Yikes. Um, that would and be unnerving.
3: Dude, it is really unnerving. It was really more unnerving as that he found her new number
2: and started texting her again. So he's yep. basically stalking her. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Charming.
3: Uh-huh. So, again, she relents. Same plan in mind. Right? She's like, fuck this guy. hmm So in November, 15, on November 15th, uh dude arrives uh Carleel arrives at the hotel where her quote-unquote employer is staying um she didn't recognize him at first because he was wearing a black ski mask but you know she lives in a she works lives and works in an environment where that's not out of the realm of possibilities, wearing, you know, same outfit, black sweats, black gloves, black, 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 black. Mm-hmm. And in his clothes, he was hiding handcuffs and duct tape. Uh, okay. So, okay. So he pays her 80 bucks up front. They drive away in Tiffany Taylor's, you know, employer's car,
0: mm-hmm.
3: as she does. He's in the passenger seat. And he asked her to pull over so he could pee on the side of the road.
2: Rose, okay.
3: Taylor had testified in court that this is when she lost consciousness. She can't specifically say if she got bashed in the head first or if he slipped her a drug first in her iced tea. But she woke up in the back seat with her head throbbing and her neck in a chokehold.
2: That's She woke up
3: in the in the middle of the attack. <clears throat> and this is she's got handcuffs on her right hmm. tape and this is where Khalil removes his ski mask and he's looking at her dead in the face going do I look familiar to you do you remember me you took my money right so she's. this was he chose her off the for the and after he'd done and killed those three other women this is a vendetta now, yeah. now that he knows he can do it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: He also thinks he's smarter than everybody in the room. Well, of so, course. Right. So she knows that she's very well could die at this point. Um, and instead of completely falling apart, like I probably would, she uses every street smart and wit that she has. So she says, first she says she's pregnant. He says, I know. So that didn't work. She bit through her own tongue to get the blood to loosen the tape around her mouth. Oh, which my God. And then she started really talking to him. And she got him to loosen the handcuffs. She's like, they're too tight. Loosen the handcuffs. Yeah. And that's when she knew she had him, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, he's weak. So she keeps talking. And she says to him... Hey, you know what? I left my cell phone back at the hotel and there's a lot of proof on it. So we should go you you should we need to go get the phone. So he fucking says, You're right crawls back into the front seat and drives her to the hotel. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. It just
2: goes to show Like, how deluded these men are and, like, how about power it is. And as soon as they think that you're powerless, whether you are or not, you know? Because I'm sure he thinks that right now he's in full control of the situation. And that's, like, why he did it was he has, like, this whatever.
3: She's cuffed and taped in the backseat of his car. Why wouldn't he think he has full control over her? Until... We find out that Tiffany is double jointed, <laughs> and slips one of the cuffs off one of her hands. Whoa! In the back seat while he's driving.
2: That's amazing.
3: It's crazy. So he parks at the hotel, lets her out of the back of the car, uh, tore the duct tape from her face so she could walk across, you know, the parking lot or whatever. He draped a jacket over her shoulders to hide the cuffs, and she was playing like she was still in the cuffs, right? Mm-hmm. So she went to the door of her employer and kicked it, where he, ad, you know, drug addicts, he walked to the answer the door. She rushed him, slammed the door shut, bolted it, and Khalil's now, like, pounding on the door in a full panic, screaming, you know, come out here, you bitch, and blah, blah, blah. And that's when she goes to the window and waves the cops with her one hand at him. (laughs) He of course runs. Um, Now she had already called the police, but he has the car. So she texts him and says, if you bring back the keys to the car, I won't call the cops. hmm And he did. He did, girl. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Elizabeth's police department arrives. Khalil is there. but He drove away shortly thereafter because the cops didn't believe her story. What? Uh-huh.
0: Like, what are they you? accused
3: her. Yes. 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 She has like a Uh handcuff. Uh-huh. Tape, handcuff, bruises, whole
2: works. What did they say? Oh, my God. I'm about to have a coronary. I know. I went apoplectic. Uh, They accused
3: her of sex work and threatened to arrest her. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I hope. Uh, the police department, the Elizabeth police department had been asked for comment in response to a number of reports, but they refused. And the cops in his trial even testified that they didn't believe her.
2: Oh you my know? God. Well, I'm glad that it's on record.
3: At least it's on record. That is so, so fucked now if he's up. Fu- yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay.
3: So three weeks after she narrowly escaped, Tiffany reads a newspaper story about his arrest. He was arrested six days after Sarah Butler was sent. He was arraigned uh december thirteenth
2: twenty sixteen and so, was he arrested really- for the murder
3: or three murders okay and attempt an attempted murder Mhm So let's be honest here. The police didn't crack this case. The women's friends and family did. Yeah. They lured him out. They took down his license plate number. They saved his text messages. They created other accounts. The police didn't do their job here. These women did.
2: And so did they ever reach back to the woman who escaped being like, Sorry, like our bad, like can we hear your story again or anything? Because is included in the, the charges.
3: No, that she testified in his trial. <laughs> Because her story wraps everything else together, right? yeah, mhm, yeah, everything that happened to her happened to the other three women,
2: so how did he get how did he get caught? I want to hear more about these like fake accounts and stuff,
3: okay, so he got caught because the Montclair Police Department in the Sarah Butler case actually believed what happened, oh Sarah I see. butler,
0: uh-huh,
3: and her. Her friends and family are the ones that set up the phony social media profile. And when they had tapped into Sarah's accounts, they saw a little Yacht Rock sending the same
2: messages. Oh, so they, like, catfished him or something? Yeah. Yep. So her friends and family, like, set up a Fink account, and he's texting them, like, oh, baby, like, let's have sex, whatever, and they... Turned it over to the cops? Yeah. Whoa. That's so cool. I yeah. mean, it's so tragic. It's so frustrating. But also, <laughs> like, jeez.
3: That's crazy, right? Yeah. It took the pro- It took the prosecutors, like, three years to put their case together. They were going through his cell phone. Uh, they, like, melted it down to get the data out of it. And mm-hmm. they found that he was searching for, like, how to poison people and all kinds of crazy shit in his phone. Um, I'm sure it also took them some time to convince Tiffany to testify.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: And I hadn't particularly read her story after the fact, but I'm sure she was pissed as fuck.
2: I am pissed on her behalf. I am too. (sighs)
3: So the good news is, he was convicted on all counts, December 19th, 2019, Uh in Essex County, New Jersey. The, The jury deliberated for just two hours. Uh huh. He will be sentenced, I think, next month. Mm hmm. That is the story of Khalil Weaver. It's a crazy story.
2: That's really intense. Mm-hmm.
3: always let somebody know where you're at.
2: So I'm just like stressed yawning
3: hearing this. Um, I, I always let someone know where I'm at. I always have my locator on my phone on. I know people are like, no, oh, that's privacy. Whatever. I'm like, no, because sometimes I'm just out running to the store. What if I, what if something happens to me just going to get a pack of cigarettes?
2: Yeah. What? Well, that's kind of like um. If I'm like, if I'm, you know, like I am very set my schedules, like you could probably set a clock to me. Mm -hmm. And so if it's like more than a half hour or an hour past my like usual time, uh, my partner will always like text me and just be like, hey, what's up? And it's like I really appreciate that um, someone's, looking out to me because it usually is, you know, stuff kind of like, oh, I, like, got stuck at work or, like, there's, like, a subway or something that's, like, not working, uh, but, like, when I, I used to, I didn't, like, ever, like, I always had roommates, but there was, like, a period where I didn't really have any close friends in my neighborhood Mm -hmm. and, I could have been gone for like two days before anybody would notice, you know? <laughs>
3: I doubt it, girl. Somebody's somebody's looking for you. My mom's going to look – Roxy would be looking for you. I, you know, I chat with like – even if it's just a text message or whatever, I hear from my sister every day. Yeah. Once a day. And if I don't respond a few hours later, she's like, you all right, girl? Mhm.
0: Like
3: That's just, you know, that's just how we are. Yeah, so and boy, I mean, like, somebody
2: yeah, people have it, you know, like, mm-hmm. because also it's kind of like, all right, so I'm sure that there's going to be some like horrible person who reads this story and is like, a sex worker. But like, this could happen to anyone.
3: It can happen know? to anybody. Let me carry your groceries for you. Yeah. Let me,
2: like, they, you could be pounced on,
3: in a, in a parking lot of uh, Home Depot. Like, it, it can happen anywhere.
2: Or the one that I really worry about. Is is like getting into cabs sometimes?
3: Oh yeah, regular cabs.
2: Yeah, well because it's like in Houston they don't really have licensed cabs. So when I take Lyft back home, I'm always like here's like a little prayer like and 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 I, was, I I will like text people or sometimes I'll like make a phone call while I'm in the cab and I'll like talk about the cab where I'd be like oh yeah I'll be there in like twenty minutes. <clears throat> So, like, the cab drivers know that, you know. Right. Someone's expecting you. Yeah. But it's just kind of, like, it's not their work. That's, like, not what is causing this. It's that, like, humans, we all the time are, like, in situations where we're relying on strangers for our safety. And I think that's a little unavoidable in this day and age.
3: Well, I think it's part of living in a civilized society. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be bad apples, but we can't have a civilized society without a basic level of trust for our fellow human beings. Now, would I leave my, you know, that level of trust is somewhat low. Like, I wouldn't leave anything valuable out in my apartment hallway, but I don't think that my neighbors are going to break into my apartment.
2: You know what I mean? And then what's up with those police? Oh, that's just that typical bullshit that
3: we've been hearing since the dawn of fucking sex work. I don't believe you. You're a piece of trash. You probably deserved it. You know, all the same lines. It's infuriating.
2: Yeah. It's... uh, People wonder... Why everyone's so reticent to call the police on things. I know. So anyway. I know.
3: The guy tried to the guy tried to kill her in the backseat of her boss's car and
2: nothing happened. I hope that she got some peace from the trial.
3: I'm sure she did. She you know, she did say she didn't like that little fucker anyway. Um, I hope she got an apology from the police department.
2: Yeah, God, I hope she Publicly. sues. Kind of hope that too. It seems a, like the only thing, yeah. but then it's also it's <laughs> like, oh, you sue the police; it's our tax dollars. Oh, this is in New Jersey. Uh, uh,
3: okay. <laughs> <laughs> and quite frankly, I don't mind my tax dollars going to that kind of stuff. I just don't want it as frequently as it happens in New York City as we have talked about in previous episodes.
2: No, I mean, I don't mind it at all either, but it's more that I want the police to personally suffer consequences. And it seems like they never do. I agree.
3: Like, I mean, like, how about taking the pension away? Yeah. And having it go towards their payment. Yeah. Some reparations here.
2: Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Um... This kind of reminds me, too, so uh, we're on this similar Facebook group for True Crime in New York, and this one woman posted about how this person, like, followed someone into her apartment building, and she's on the first floor, and the person, I think, like, knocked on her door for a while and was trying to talk to her through the door, and she was just, like, ignoring them, and he stood in a corner and, like, peed, Ah. just, like, in the hallway, but it was, like, seeping under her mat. And that, so and he no. just wouldn't leave. Like he was there for like oh, a couple man. hours. And this is in the Upper East Side. I mean, this isn't okay anywhere, but this was in a era in a neighborhood that I was like, whoa, I wouldn't expect that. It's and a, so she's
3: or neighbor, neighborhood for those of you who don't know New York City. Yeah. It's a little more upper crusty.
2: It's like the like the like old rich New York families live there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she called her landlord, and her landlord was just like, "I don't know, call the cops, I guess." And then, the, of course, the police never show up. Thanks for your support. Robert. But I was also, I was also like, this sounds like this could have been quite dangerous.
3: It could have been, yeah, it definitely could. Have been. Did you see the thing where people are now like approaching random people's houses to get in? By claiming their DoorDash? No. So it looked like it was in a, a neighborhood of home like houses. And this woman is standing on the front stoop, and you can see two dudes lurking in the bushes on either side of her. Yeah. Of a thank you ring. And she rings the doorbell and says, DoorDash. And of course the person's like, I didn't order DoorDash. And she rings the doorbell again saying Door Dash and you can hear people in the background going, switch sides and they're like are it's like this really creepy thing where these people were trying to gain entry into the house under the guise of food delivery. Which I never let I never open my door to anybody, so whatever. But I, I was like, I could see my mom opening the door. Yeah. So I sent her the article. I'm like, don't open the door for anybody ever. Like, don't.
2: I'm so, so glad my parents have my parents have floor-to-ceiling windows next to their door. Yeah. But, you know, they say that, like, uh, a lot of these crimes, like, the place that you're most likely to be robbed is, like, in your driveway, and it's because, yeah. like, muggers will hide behind your car tire or something. That's crazy. And it's usually like a little bit harder to see. Yes, yeah, so they target people like on their way to work. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm so
3: glad my mom has underground parking.
2: Uh yeah. So that's you know, the world is fucked. Let's drink. <laughs> well, on that note, um, we're <laughs> I think that's all for today's show. Thank you for joining us um, here at Radio Free Brooklyn. This is Crime Talk BK. Uh, join us next week at 11 a.m. to noon. Later days.
1: Decided on a killing. First, you make a stone of your heart. And if you find that your hands are still willing, then you can turn a murder into art.